The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. You can't dance. When did you learn how to dance? I've got moves you've never seen. No, 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 absolutely. Love to. <laughs> love the bag, love the shoes, love everything. Love to. <laughs> now, I love this man, and there is no way that I'm going to give him up to some two-faced, big-haired <laughs> food critic. I did what I came to do. What, you spit them up? No, I said goodbye. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And I am so excited to introduce our guest this evening. I mean, dare I say, the Kimmy to my Julianne in that <laughs> he did marry who I was hoping to be my backup, Tony DeFrank. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, Tony. How's that for an introduction? <laughs> that, I was not expecting that. So. <laughs> um, that was tremendous. Thank you. Tony is also an expert on the movie that we're going to be discussing tonight, in addition to being Joe Bolenbaugh's husband. Uh, and uh, that movie is My Best Friend's Wedding from 1997, uh, a year I remember well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I graduated from high school in 97. I don't know. Wow. I, I, did I? Is that right? Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. Wow, okay. That's what your letterman jacket said. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it did. And still does. Um, uh, Iceland, do you remember the first time you saw My Best Friend's Wedding? I do. Thank you for asking. It, um, it had gotten a lot of, when I say buzz, it was 1997. So a lot of humans were talking about it <laughs> to each other in person. Um, and what? <laughs> exactly. And strangely, it was at the Wilma, which I think is an odd place for it to have been. It, that is a theater in Missoula, Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, and not not generally a first run theater. No. Right? Yeah. Uh, but I think in the late 90s, as we all were, they were looking for an identity. Yeah. And and so they tried this out. But um, so I went with um, our mother, Tobin, um, on a Thursday night on our way to pick up dad from the airport. And it was right near the beginning of his job as a traveling consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just getting used to that. And I remember thinking, we can't be late to be at the movie theater. And and as I recall, mom saying, okay, just five more minutes and then we'll go. So we were up and standing at the back for the last scene because we really did need to go get to the airport to pick up dad. <laughs> but I think we were on time. We were just cutting it closer than than I um, was comfortable with. But that's, that's my recollection. Um, how about Tony? Tony, when did you first see this movie? Okay, so I, you know, I was trying to uh, figure this out. Um, I definitely watched it at my sister's um, townhouse when she was in college. Um, my sister was in a sorority and there was this big like family function we all had to go attend and I was sleeping on the couch and couldn't, just couldn't fall asleep. And I grabbed this movie um, that I'd obviously heard of um, 
and you know popped it in and was immediately obsessed with it from like the opening credits onward um so much so that i watched it twice in a row so oh, i was wow. <laughs> i was probably let me see 97 i was probably 15 i think so um so for me you know just like the first time that i watched this movie through and i just immediately connected with George, uh, like being like a young queer kid and not really mm-hmm. having a whole lot of um, access to gay culture in Virginia at age, you know, 15. Yeah. I just was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is what my life is going to look like, right? <laughs> so, an, in- an instruction manual of how to be a gay best friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So um, I'm just going to immediately watch it again because I really need to like get this stuff down. Um, but that was that was kind of where my obsession started um, was the night I watched it twice in a row. I don't remember exactly the first time I saw it. I don't think it was in the theater. I think it was on VHS. Um, but I know that that it was sometime during college and um, I watched – I then sort of became – uh, I don't know. Obsessed is too strong a word, but I watched it a bunch or, and it was on a bunch. Like it was one that would, people would kind of put on a little bit as kind of background movie, I think sometimes. And then in film school, I um, was sort of expanding my knowledge of film history and whatnot and watching a lot of sort of history of um, uh, like romantic comedies and romantic comedies that, you know, Iceland, we grew up in a household where romantic comedies were on frequently in our house. I was going to say, that's house. just what we called movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and I, this, I, this, I always found myself sort of comparing and contrasting to this movie. And I've taught this a number of times in um, film history classes or, or, or um, uh, film studies classes when we're talking about the history of the romantic comedy genre. And I, I, this, I think so sort of makes and breaks the mold at the same time. I've, I adore this movie for, um, for that. And for all kinds of reasons that I, I can't wait to get into. Wow. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I've got two big fans with me here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I smell trouble. Wait, no. Uh. <laughs> Before we, we dig in any further, let's get a little bit of history. Now, I do have it in my notes that Tobin will give us two bits. But Tony, if you have additional um, historical knowledge, uh, please share it as well. Absolutely. The first bit is that uh, a lot of people read for the role of Kimmy, the Cameron Diaz role, um, and uh, two of them, which makes a lot of sense. It was a Julie Roberts movie. You know, she was attached from the time the script was sold, and it was a very kind of um, hot, hot movie, right? So um, Reese Witherspoon and Drew Barrymore apparently both read for Kimmy before they went with Cameron Diaz. Um, and then this is one of my favorites. Julia Roberts apparently suggested Benicio del, Benicio del Toro to play George. <laughs> <laughs> which is wild. I could, I, I can hardly imagine that version uh, of the movie. Um, the other bit is that speaking of George, uh, director PJ Hogan and writer Ron Bass greatly expanded George's role after they cast Rupert Everett and saw his chemistry with Julia Roberts. Most notoriously, the ending, which they they had had a different ending and then um, shot the movie and then went back to reshoot the the ending that's in the movie. But even earlier than that, the George character had a handful of lines in the in the original script and um, and you know didn't 
didn't come to visit, didn't pretend to be, you know, her fiance. Like there's all, all kinds of stuff that George does in this movie, which, and that includes the musical number in the middle of the movie, <laughs> um, that all of which was sort of created kind of inspired by, um, Rupert Everett and his chemistry with Julie Roberts. Um, Aislinn. Yes. Can you tell us please who the ladies in charge, the women involved in major roles in my best friend's wedding? I would love to. We have lead actors, Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz. Producers, Patricia Cullen and Patricia Witcher. And editor, Lisa Fruchtman. Good work. How did I do with that one? I didn't read that ahead of time. (laughs) Whenever I type these up, I'm like, I can't wait to hear how I was Awesome goes at these. <laughs> I think you did a great job. I'm so glad it's you, not me, who has to do okay. that. <laughs> um, Tobin, could you give us a brief plot summary? Sure. I mean, although I think most of our listeners have probably seen this, let's I benefit would, of the doubt. I would hope most of them had seen this movie. <clears throat> when she learns her old flame and best friend is about to get married, 27-year-old food <laughs> critic Julianne, played by Julia Roberts, agrees to come to the extravagant four-day wedding weekend to break up the couple and claim Michael, the groom-to-be, played by Dermot Mulroney, for herself. The problem is the bride-to-be, Kimmy, played by an exceedingly chipper Cameron Diaz, is delightful, charming, and kind, and Michael seems to really love her. Many pratfalls, hijinks, and one transcendent musical number later, Julianne finally comes around to do the right thing, the graceful thing, and help the couple reunite before celebrating their marriage and sharing a last dance with her gay wingman and truth seeker George, played by a delicious Rupert Everett, in one of the greatest endings in romantic comedy history. Wow. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So say I. I'm glad that you mentioned Pratt Falls in your summary. Because yes. what stood out to me this time, and I hadn't, I've seen this movie many times, but this is, I hadn't seen it in, a, in quite a while when I watched it yesterday mm-hmm. and a little bit today at lunch. Um, there is a lot of physical comedy in quotes. That is in so true. Piece. I have that note as well. I just wanted to chime <laughs> in. <laughs> Please. Yes. Um, it, what it reminds me of is a sad story about Sandra Bullock on the set of that movie all about Steve. Uh-huh. And there's a rumor uh, that she kept wanting to insert falling down. Or, uh-huh. you know, like that she kept, oh, this is going to be great. I'll do this. I'll do that. Um, and I don't know. I mean, at that point, the movie was probably already such a stinker. that They're like, okay, do whatever you want to do. Um, but I had forgotten that that was, maybe she saw it all in this movie and then decided um, <laughs> that All About Steve needed some more too. But just there's nary a chair um, that doesn't topple over in this film. <laughs> Tony, did the physical comedy work for you in this movie? Um, Yeah. And you know what? This was, so my best friend has a real thing for physical comedy. Um, It's not something that usually stands out to me on my own, but because of our longstanding friendship, every time just like pratfalls (laughs) and and hijinks occur, I'm like, oh my God, Billy's going to love this movie. There's so much physical comedy in it. Because this is the first time I've ever watched this beloved movie and taken 
pages of notes, I was like, I'm going to have to jot this down because I don't think I've ever <laughs> cataloged this as such a, a physical movie. Um, yeah, there's a lot of falling, tripping, stumbling. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I, I, You know what? One of the things that I like so much about the physical comedy that Julia Roberts does is that they are going out of their way to make her not graceful. Mm. And I think in romantic comedies, that is such a, um, that's a, it's kind of unusual. Uh, you know, it's not that she's, it's not that she's clumsy so much as the, it's when her, the first time that she has real physical comedy is when she, um, falls off the bed when she's talking, uh, to Michael on the phone and discovers that he's not calling because as per their pact, they're going to, uh, now get married before they turn 28 (laughs) as their back, as each other's backup. But in fact, he's married he's met somebody else and is gonna get married she falls off the bed so it's kind of like her her center of gravity is completely off then for the rest of the movie and she's you know and to, to the point that by the end she there's no pratfall at the end in her dance right like mm. the, once she has recentered herself and sort of gotten her priorities straight and to stop being so cruel <laughs> she, yes. she she kind of finds equilibrium and then and then that stuff kind of stops so it's a great way of sort of i think physicalizing that stuff and then also as i sense from your tone you don't think it's very funny i think it's hysterical i think some of it is funny i think i was overwhelmed by the amount i had remembered the falling off the bed um what i had forgotten is for instance when she's writing the email in the boss's <laughs> office and and she's looking through the crack in the door that she fell and and there was something in between those two that i had forgotten as well um but i i also remembered that she was meant to be somewhat clumsy because when she's holding all the 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 beer beer on the tray and and he says do you want help and she and i so remember her line and the way she says i've got moves you haven't seen (laughs) because she tries all these different sort of tacks to entice him and that's one of them Uh Uh Um, yeah (laughs) but i'm glad you mentioned cruel and and that's really why i think for me in the history of all the movies that we watched over and over in our household growing up, I didn't pick this yeah. one very often because because it just it's so cringy the whole time for me because she is so cruel. Like the karaoke thing is a literal nightmare that I've had. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's my mm-hmm. problem with it. So I'm glad to be in this conversation and to hear from others. And it's not that I don't want her to be able to be cruel or be able to be unlikable sure. or any of that. I just don't enjoy watching her sc- scrambling so hard to like the lowest hanging fruit she can find. But I, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. I just, oh, it you just cringes. It, so it just cringes yeah. me. Yeah. But you know who I enjoy? Tell me. Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> okay, because that, like, if you want to talk about cruelty, that guy <laughs> sucks. Like, he. Please was, tell me more. He was a horrible. Well, okay, so that's one thing that is confusing for me about this movie is that there are two women competing for the worst possible guy out there. (laughs) And that's the only part that I sort of like, you know, double back on. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like I do love a romantic comedy, but like I, there is absolutely nothing appealing about him. Like when he 
yells at her at the dinner table when she proposes the, you know, her father's um, opportunity that, um, the job opportunity that that she's offering. Like, his reaction to that is so over the top and so, yeah, he's a loser. Like, from start to finish, (laughs) he is the least appealing part of this movie. I just need to make a distinction. Michael is a oh, loser. That's true. Dermot Mulroney is a national treasure. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Really? Yes. And okay. we will learn more about that when it comes to the game. Oh. <laughs> um, but I, I'm glad you brought that up. I had a note about that, too, which was sort of like, what what do they both see in him? Um, and I think at least with Julia Roberts, it's all that history we've heard so much about and that, you know, sometimes I have found that whatever, you know, time period where some, you were close with someone, then maybe it's a few years later, but you still like love that period or yourself at that period and them at that period. So maybe if they met today, they wouldn't be what they are, but, but there's so much of that time period in their lives that they were so important to each other. But I, I was oh, trying to no, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I was trying to picture, like, the Kimmy Michael meet cute. Mm. And I couldn't. One, she's 20 years old. Uh, so, yeah, right. the ages are just painful. <laughs> yes. Like, as I think, you know, as Tobin's tone, speaking of reading into tones, yeah. that at when they turn 28, they're each other's backup. Terrible precedent to set um, for the <laughs> young people of the world, I think. But, uh but yeah, that she's that she's twenty. Like, where were they? I guess at a stadium or something, something sportsy. But like, what on earth would they have in common? Where well, they would and, be in the same place. And on that topic of age as well. Um, so I believe that they that uh, that Jules and Michael. Uh, sorry, wait a second. Yeah, no, right. I believe that they met <laughs> sophomore year, right? Isn't That's that when she, she tells says, yeah. the story? So they're right. probably like 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And right now they're 27. So there's an awful lot of history that she lays out when she's like kind of waxing poetic to George about her Michael, mm. where mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute, is this like seven years worth of <laughs> friendship? That's not like a super long time. And that they've traveled she makes it sound like they've traveled the world together, like in college or right after college. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And also in this, I guess, seven ish years, like their parents died and like they've become <laughs> like they've conquered the world of, I don't know, whatever Michael's stupid job is. And she's like the world's greatest food critic. And uh, yeah. And then again, to go back to Kimmy being 20, that is so damn young to do anything Mm -hmm. let alone get married it's yeah so i have a lot of questions about i i feel like this should be a movie about people who are like 35 36 37 like yes like 20 years of friendship history is what i'm hearing her describe if we remade it i think that would be important you age everybody up 10 years yes and then it's and all that stuff begins to make more sense. Yeah. Well, and how far off do we think all of these lead actors are from the ages they're supposed to be in the movie? Oh, that would be fun. Ooh, that's a good because question. Because Kimmy was supposed to be 20, but her hair 
was 40. <laughs> um, Julia Roberts was 30. Okay. okay. Came out. That's not far off, I guess. No. Uh, hang on. I doing think the, with her, I'm we had just math. already known her so long at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she was Julia Roberts. So, mm-hmm. um, so in my memory, it's, seems like she should be older because one, I was a child when I watched it, but also because even then it had been, you know, we owned pretty woman on VHS by the time yeah. this came out. So, right. And yeah. Cameron I mean, Diaz was 25. Okay. If we're still counting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, and really, I guess I've been watching this movie. I mean, it's been like 20 years that I've been watching this movie yeah. pretty regularly. I mean, I've been watching this movie as long as Kimmy was old. Like yeah. that's. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember watching it. Like I said, like this, like at 15, like this seemed like the model of my life. Like, like to come <laughs> and then i'm thinking like oh they're so much older than me they're so right, and right. now and now that i'm <laughs> 10 years older than them I'm like wait oh god yeah yeah i'm such a loser <laughs> <laughs> um before we get too much further into plotty stuff i w- wanted to, and we're and we're already actory um can we talk about the other people so carrie preston who I love, mm-hmm. and I forget and the you, name of her husband. What do you love her from? What's your What's your touchstone with her? <laughs> For me, it's um, vampires. True blood. True blood. True yeah. blood. Yeah. But then also the Good Wife. Yeah, that's because that's mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I won't take yours. What's yours, Tobin? <laughs> it's the Good Wife. Thank you very much. Oh, that's a great. That's a great one. And then she's married to the guy, one of the guys from Lost, the yeah. little bespectacled gentleman. And um, and I just remember reading an article, you know, high journalism of People Magazine, um, about them and their, you know both working actors and kind of then were both suddenly became recognizable, but for different things and we're traveling a lot. I don't know. I just liked their, their little world. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her twin in quotes yeah, in the movie is Rachel Griffiths. Yes, it is. What? Well, she was in PJ Hogan's, one of his earlier movies. Um, they're both Australian. Uh, she was in Muriel's wedding with Tony Collette. Yes. So they had sort of prior, they had, they, had, they had history. And then Susan Sullivan. Who's is Isabel Wallace, the, the mother? Isabel, the, the, yes. And who really gets the musical number started. Because yes. Rupert Everett starts to sing and it could be very awkward, but then she <laughs> yes. chimes in right. and gets the whole table going. But um, I mean, many, many, many things she has been in. But for me, most recently, she is uh, Richard Castle's mother in... Castle. Oh, Castle, you're a jam. I mean, Nathan Fillion is my jam <laughs> for show. Uh, so, yeah, so she played a, uh, I don't know, spirited older lady. Um, mm-hmm. And that. So, those are just a couple of that that popped for me. But what about Paul Giamatti? Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Paul yes. Giamatti. The bellhop. Yeah. That was a surprise. That gave me a giggle out loud. Yeah, that that still kind of surprises me every time. Every time I surpri- every time I see him, I'm like, oh right, he's in this movie. Like every time, I, I always forget. 
Well, and what I appreciate about his very small part is that he brings some attention to the fact that they smoke cigarettes in every single room mm-hmm. they enter in this movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. But it is it is odd by I mean it was odd by the standards of the late 90s to be smoking mm-hmm. that much inside, mm-hmm. especially watching it now. It's like what planet is this on? But that is totally. why I like Paul Giamatti's character <laughs> it's like, yeah, you guys shouldn't be smoking inside so much. It's gross. <laughs> it's all, it's also the one speaking of the uh, things that would change if they made the movie now. Oh yeah, no one smokes anymore. Like it, it's it's just it's very it's so of the moment or of the time that the movie is made. It just feels weird. Yeah, you can't get a can't get away with that now. No. Yeah. No, and especially yeah. not a, a a protagonist. No, and not a not sort of America's sweetheart protagonist, mm-hmm. either, sure. right? Which okay, so we need to go back and talk a little bit more about Julie Roberts because I don't think we've given her her due in this movie. Please, I, we talked about pratfalls and physical comedy, which works better for some of us in some scenes. I do love the one where she comes off the elevator and like, you know, <laughs> the the tray goes like her, the entrance ones. I think are particularly yes. delicious. Um, but I she she I think is so smart to take this movie at this time as a way to sort of um, twist her twist that persona, right? Like to twist the, the America sweetheart to, to be you. I think you need someone as inherently charming and likable as she is just as a screen presence to get past the fact that she is doing such cruel things <laughs> to, to, the, to the people around her. And I think that if, 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 you know, if it were played at all um, darker, it would be uh, it would be a very dark comedy yes. <laughs> and not as much of a comedy comedy. The other thing I think that they do so well in this is that they deploy her smile and her laughter in a way that um, is, is sort of weaponizes it. And thinking about that karaoke scene and the um, when she's sort of over-exaggerated laughing and and doing inside jokes with Michael to keep sort of Kimmy out of the, of the group, um, mm. you know, and she's using that, that, you know, her $20 million smile, like the thing that makes Julie Roberts, Julie Roberts as a movie star, but using it as like a, as a weapon, I think is, is, um, uh, is, you know, a very smart on this movie's sort of part. Anybody else want to stand up for Julie Roberts? <laughs> Well, so I I have a note <laughs> that um, is okay. So I want to jump jump ahead to yeah, yeah. the and sorry if you have very specific topics about this. No, scene, not at all. No, no, no. When they are on the boat, when they go on the mm. boat ride, um, and you know all, all of that very emotional um, scenery that's going on, there is this point where. And I can't even tell you what the line is, but Julia Roberts has sunglasses on and you can see her acting through the sunglasses. <sighs> like this makes more sense in my note form, trying to like put it into words, <laughs> but it just, it grabbed me like from like my insides. I just was like, wow, she like, you could just see a shadow of her eyes behind uh-huh. the glasses. Yeah. And it was so incredible so i mean i think from start to finish she's a plus through this entire (laughs) movie the good the bad all of it um so yeah that was my note on julia roberts really earning her keep Mm -hmm. totally that scene and the scene before it when they're in the car at the airport are 
my favorite parts and and I think the parts that maybe ring the most true in that they're they're communicating about their complex feelings that he had been jealous when she suddenly showed up with a fiance, which we as the audience know she has been this whole time, which he seems to have been oblivious to, but mm. who knows? The the levels of Dermot Mulroney, I don't want to speak for him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when they're confronting and then also confronting that change in their relationship that he's going to get married tomorrow and that and he's excited about it, he wants to, but that is going to change what who they are and and what they mean to each other and that they like for the first time and a little bit the only time are both honestly on the same page Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. wanting to soak up what's left of this life that started you know all those nine years ago um (laughs) with each other and sort of honor that thing and so that i thought was beautiful having being a person who has been very, very close to and best friends with people who have gotten married to other people. <laughs> like that's important. And it's like it, I, I think in her case, right. The movie is, is, is based on her hijinks to get between them. But even if it wasn't like she would completely be allowed to have conflicting feelings right, when she right. gets that news that you can be right. so excited for someone, but then also, yeah, you're, you're kind of out there fantasy life that door closes or he can be madly in love with, with Kimmy, but have a little twinge when Julianne chooses someone else. And so I, I appreciated so much the honesty of those couple of scenes, even though the other parts of it make me so, so cringy. (laughs) One of the other favorite moments that I have of hers is um, it's right after the Paul Giamatti scene. She's been sitting in the hallway smoking the cigarette and, and then Dermot Maroney opens the door and she falls backwards. And that's, yes. that's not my favorite part. I do like, I, I do like it, but my favorite part comes after that when he, we have forgotten that, that she's been holding onto the ring and or at least I usually forget and that she has tried it on, can't get it off. And then he says, where's the ring? And she holds up her hand into front. Like, first of all, can't quite do it. Yeah. Like it, gets up the courage and then kind of cries and laughs at the cries and smiles at the same time, sort of demonstrate that she's got the ring still stuck on her, you know, she couldn't get it off. And in that moment, you see all of those conflicted feelings, plus kind of the shame she feels about having written an email. that's going to like, you know, she's really crossing so many lines. Like you can sense, like she has some, you know, conflicted feelings about her own behavior too in that moment that begin to kind of um, like she's seeing what it's going to cost emotionally to to sort of devastate these two people, and <laughs> and not she's not ready yet to sort of you know like call it off, but she's but it's hurting her too, and I I that that she just captures that moment so so a moment that could have been played just for comedy ends up being played for all these other layers too. Yeah, I agree. That's a very she's she's fantastic in she's this fantastic. movie. She's fantastic. Let's talk about George. I want to hear what Tony has to say about George. Both seeing direct George then and what George meant to you and what George has like how you view George today. <laughs> um so George is timeless. Like every move he makes, <laughs> like a- every single thing he does is such a choice in this movie and Yeah. Just all of the energy and instant chemistry he has with 
every single person in the movie, not not just Jules. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's true. Like, you know, like he has met all of these strangers and like five minutes later they're out to lunch and they're singing. And it's like, I feel like all of that was so completely organic and that's that's mm-hmm. not just george i mean that's us you know celebrating rupert for everything that he brought to the movie too um but yeah i mean I, for me the thing that i think about with george most often is that completely fabulous dinner party that he's having um <laughs> back in new york <laughs> when she leaves that screaming voicemail and like the whole conversation just like kind of slowly grinds to a halt um (laughs) that that to me is like oh i just love this guy and like the just you know, when you're that young and trying to come up with the possibilities for what your like gay life is going to look like when you finally leave mm-hmm. Virginia, like it's just this was one of those moments where it's like this, like people are dressed up in my own home, and we're yeah, I was a little like, <laughs> dirtbag smoker back then too, so I'm like, and we're smoking our <laughs> cigarettes inside and wine and. <laughs> Like, I'm sure a very clever conversation. I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, can I use that language on your show? Absolutely. In no fact, problem. Required. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's that pretty much for me. It was just like, I looked up to Joe. That, that's probably the quickest, easiest way to say it. I looked up to him. I think that's why he means so much to me. I love that. I love that. He, he, um, it's, he kind of, seems to revel in every scene right mm-hmm. like he there's the, the when he realizes or when he sort of <laughs> he does not know that when he shows up in chicago that julianne is going to like uh tell michael that george is her fiance and then he's like blindsided by that in the moment and then has and then like decides to just play it <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know well, and also a little bit to torture her too oh, for sure for right because sure. he's but I've what a great kind of revenge is too strong of a word, but like he has she's put him in a really yeah. awkward position. <laughs> and so he knows her well enough to know what he can do to support like she he yes ams her, but like in a way that's gonna push right, exactly. all but- of her buttons. <laughs> yeah, he yes ams her in like and like think- you want this to be yeah. Go ahead. I think Rupert makes great choices, but I love all the choices that George makes <laughs> in that thing. Right. Cause she said, like she says something about like tone it down or whatever. And then, he, and then he immediately makes the sex joke to Kimmy's parents. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he just goes for it. And A then conjugal visit. Yes. <laughs> I always remember, um, like, when he, he says yes to lunch, uh, he says, love it. Love the bag, love the shoes, yes. love everything. Love it. Yes, yes. I think of that line so often in my life. He's so quotable. Like he is a completely, yes. yeah. every line he's got is like, oh, that's a quote that I will use for the next mm-hmm. hundred years. <laughs> and then he gives her when he's, you know, okay. So, cause I already said it's my two favorite scenes, but I'll add him to the beginning of it at the airport he she you know she asks him what to do and he tells her 
Yeah, that she right. already knows is the right thing to do, but the right thing to do. And then, and she's so great in this too, when she's torn up what's going to happen. And he's like, he's going to marry her because he loves her. And you're going to go on with your life. Like, yeah, just right. get, you know, not get over it, but just get through it is what I it. sort yeah. of hear from him there. And, and so even with all the hijinks we've said like 17 times, if this is, if you're using this podcast as a drinking game, Please make wise choices. We've said hijinks too many times. But with all his heightened frivolity, he's still at the heart of it, her her rock and her support in this. And he's going to tell her the truth, even if she's not able to you know, tell it to herself yet, which is also why you take that and then add to those two other scenes. And that to me is is the part that I think is so special. What great instincts they had to see what they had in Rupert Everett as George and what the potential was in the George and Julianne relationship, whatever combination of them that was, including Julie Roberts and Rupert Everett and the director and the writer, that that they then sort of weren't afraid to kind of restructure their movie because that that becomes – I think that helps it – if George is her friend – and this is George, then I know she's not a deeply terrible person, even if she's doing terrible things, <laughs> right? That there's, that there's, there must be something redeeming about her because this man is her friend and cares about her and, you know, clearly enjoys spending time with her, even if he's like, you are being a terrible person right now. And, and that, and, and as a person, as someone who in her life, who's able to say that. And I, I think it does something to, I don't want to say redeem her character because that makes it that's just sort of that's a really loaded term, but at least it sort of um, helps helps shade her uh, as a character in 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 ways that I really sort of help help sort of leaven the venom in some of the the rest of the things that she does in this movie. So something that I was trying to track in this, and I I don't have a definitive answer, so that's the the question part of it. There's a lot made at the beginning. Not at the very beginning, but in the in the early um, interactions between Kimmy and and Julianne about her lack of kind of traditional views on romance and marriage and love and that and that because the way that Michael mm-hmm. has described her, she's eschewing all those things to do something else and. Blah blah, and then toward the end, she makes more comments about it, and that that you know wasn't her focus or whatever. And so I, I don't know. I that was part of the cringy for me in that I felt like in moments the movie was penalizing her for that. Mm. Like, and I and I know it subverts things, and and you know there's. There's um, there are good nuggets in here, but the way at least it's framed in that first kind of half, I read it at times to be she's she's missing out on this, whatever this is, because of her, whether it's temperament or views or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. that's this is Mm -hmm. what she doesn't get because she can't say the word love or whatever. Um, and so that, I don't know, I was still, I'm, but I haven't studied it as you two have. So <laughs> what do you make of that thought? Tony, you want to crack at that? Yeah. So 
<laughs> um, that's really that is not what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> that's oh. Just um, huh? I feel like I need a minute because I okay. I didn't really see it that way. Um, and you don't have to. But well, but now that you're pointing it out, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that's why I need a minute <laughs> because I'm like, huh? That is a really valid perspective on, um. Yeah, on what she was going through and um yeah, and like some of her life decisions and and what had gotten her to the point that she was at now and then where she was when they were in that original relationship, which is where I was assuming he was referencing Michael was referencing the um the things that he had told Kimmy about her. Um So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think that uh I think that in that moment, uh, that that really makes a lot of sense. I think that in the arc of the whole movie, if the movie had had, and I know you're not saying the movie fully comes down on that side of mm-hmm. sort of penalizing her for that, or sort of making the movie making a moral judgment about what path is better, the more traditional, we get married at 20 and drop out of college. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think because I think that if the movie was more conservative in its outlook that way, she would have along the journey of the movie met somebody else. Sure. Um, That's a good point. You know, like that she would have been rewarded for her good behavior for coming in line with the value system of the movie by having romance with a dude. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting. So the way I read that scene, and and maybe it's just that it's not, uh, you know, it's not maybe as clear as it needs to be in that scene is that she's just not, um, uh, that there's that there's an openness that she had, has not had or experienced or or chosen, not an openness necessarily to romantic love, but an mm-hmm. openness to intimacy. That she, it, you know, the kind of intimacy of even even of sort of recognizing what her relationship with Michael is and is going to be, and letting it, and letting go of what she thought it was going to be, and all that kind of stuff. That she's that she's breaking past a point in her life where she had him as a placeholder, right? Like he's the backup. And so I always have this placeholder and I don't need to sort of really commit to anything or anyone in any kind of way. And then just realizes that, you know what, George and I are kind of like, we are, we are intimate in in a different way. Right. Um, But you're right. That moment, that moment does feel like, Oh, a little bit icky. Like, what are we, what are we, Well, when you add that to the, the very opening scene where she is describing the relationship she had with Michael to George. And when she says we had one hot month and George chimes in that that's something he's heard before. And it's, he even says something like, Oh, same old jewels. Like they set her up as someone who, and I don't know, not necessarily fear of commitment or a lack of interest, like her interest wanders or whatever it is that she's not able to, you know, stay in one place in a relationship. I don't know. It just, I, I just wonder what would be different, you know, yeah, maybe 20 yeah. years later mm-hmm. into it. Also, I still don't fully understand why does Kimmy need to slash choose to quit school because <gasps> because Michael travels so much for his job? I guess. And because she's a billionaire, I guess. <laughs> I don't there, know. Yeah. There are so many questions in this movie that are answered by the fact that her family is insanely wealthy. Sure. Like, like, right. 
how did they put a wedding together in such a short amount of time? Well, because they have money. Like just every <laughs> question that I had, I was like, oh, right. These aren't problems for wealthy people, um, which sure. is a bit off topic. But like, yeah, I kind of wondered about that too when it was like, so you're going to travel with your husband, you know, full time. So you can't go to school anymore. Uh, who travels with their spouse for work? Like, and that frequently, that would be very weird. That would be a yeah, strange sure. <laughs> situation. So yeah, for her to drop out of school to be with the man that she loves because she's already, you know, she's already seen the world at 20. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I can't think of an opportunity where I would bring Joe with me on one of my business right. trips, let alone every <laughs> single one of them. <laughs> well, it would be different <laughs> too. Like, for instance, my understanding of the relationship between um, famous attorney Tom Girardi and his wife, Erica Girardi, or Erica Jane as her um, mm-hmm. alter ego, mm-hmm. is that for the first 10 years of their relationship, she flew everywhere with him and she was his, you know, companion in all things. But he's of like has this hugely ridiculous career. Whereas over and over again they've said Michael's job is shitty, but he loves it. What is so, his job? He's a sports, I'm not he's, totally clear. He's a sports, he's a sports writer. writer. I, yeah. I I understood as they were both journalists. Right. Right. Like, and that's how they were in the same place in college. She is a food critic. He's a sports writer. Yeah, I mean, yeah? I may have seen yeah. this movie a thousand times, but I clearly zone out when Michael. You is just fast forward to George. It's <laughs> <laughs> the George supercut version of the movie. I'm like Michael, <laughs> sports, uh, whatever. <laughs> 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 I mean, really. It, so oh, sorry. Then, go ahead. No, go ahead. So, in the real world, <laughs> they should not be getting married yet, right? Like. Right. I mean, I don't want to judge anybody's choices, but like at 20, as we've said, like, you know, Kimmy should maybe take a little time and they can like, I don't know, date for a while. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> she can come on some of the trips when she's on spring break or whatever. Like, I, I feel like there, there, there is a, um, I, that's part of the movie that all, that still to me, or that, that I think always has kind of made me feel a little squicked out. Like I just, I just, I, 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 I believe that they're in love and that's great, but they're also practical, practical concerns. And, and um, I feel like she could just take a little more time. I think that would be, I don't think that would be uh, a problem for anybody really. Yeah. Or if it's that big a deal for her family to be married, then that could have been part of it. But it, now we're just rewriting right. the film. Um, <laughs> so what was the original ending? Oh man, I've got to check this now. Uh, Okay, you don't have to. I was just trying to. It was. Um, get it was. Uh, oh gosh, I know the actor's name, but I'm just blanking on it. That actor that was in my big fat Greek wedding, and John Sex Corbin. And the yeah. City. yeah. Yes. So at the end of the reception, at the end of um, the the wedding, um, Julie Roberts goes off, you know, and is I guess sitting, you know, outside of the tent, having a quiet moment alone, and uh, John Corbett walks by. And they have, you know, sort of, and he like turns around and comes back and they have like a, you know, a meet cute right there at the end. So she lives happily ever after with. With Jen Corbett. (laughs) (laughs) Which feels like a, uh, in, in, in uh, Tony's scale, feels like a swap, like an equal swap for Dermot Mulroney. (laughs) 
<laughs> I also love John Corbett. Just for the record, I think other than Joe, it seems like Tony and I don't have the same taste. <laughs> Your Venn diagram is is very small. <laughs> yeah, I, that that is. Um, uh, I think that would be a terrible ending to this movie. I, I agree. Think it would be terrible. Yeah, I don't know. Especially for everything that that mm. that they have that she has put people through and which is not to say that she has to be like punished for that, but, but to, you know, to have the reward for romantic comedy once again, to be, you know, romance is, uh, right. um, I, one of the things I find refreshing about this movie is that it doesn't sort of adhere to that. Yeah, I agree. I think refreshing is a, is a great way to describe the God that took me too long to get to that word. <laughs> <laughs> refreshing is a great way to describe how this movie wraps up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, even though we're at the end, can we talk about the opening credit sequence a little bit? Yes, because yes. you lied to me. Oh, okay. What? So okay, here's, so here's my memory. My memory is that you told me that Liz fair was singing. No, that. it's An- Ani DeFranco. Oh. Okay. I, Sorry. Then my memory is you tell me Liz Fair, but we'll put Anna DeFranco in there. But that's not who is. No, being it's, there. Not, oh, She's, no. it's not the actor. Because so I remember you telling me like when I that it was cool and subversive because it was this um, alt feminist, whatever, singing this song like sarcastically. Well, but the. But then the way it's presented is very straightforward. So I was confused. So tell me now for real, because my memory is clearly incorrect. Well, I, I, Noah, that the um, you know, uh, uh, Ani DeFranco talks about how the irony of of being chosen and getting to sing that song at the opening of this movie with these sort of you know candy coated backgrounds and like that there's it, it is it is meant to be ironic there is irony involved but it's only irony in that if you know like who's singing it right like there's right or, or the fact that it's, it is just a little over the top and you know I, there is a there is a um uh and 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 she was the director wanted her to play the bride um, this all comes from an LA Times yeah. story. I like, wanted her to be in the in the thing with her at the time. She had like spiky blue hair and stuff, and like she was supposed to be the. And I think that would have been better. I think it would have. I think I it would have been cooler. But I do love the kind of I don't know the kind of kitschy pantomime quality to the to the thing, which is I think in contrast to Jules in the movie. I, I think is. Um, I think kind of works. I, at the time, I was a Ani DeFranco, or not, shortly afterwards in college when I was watching this movie, I was an Ani DeFranco fan, and so I, I, I don't know. I've always, I've always kind of liked that. Bit. That must have been where it came from. I apologize for remind remembering it as as Liz Fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, of all the times that I have watched this movie, I, I would have to say at least. 20 of them like when i was much younger and before we had youtube i would put the movie in only to watch the beginning <laughs> to watch the opening sequence and then settle in for the rest <laughs> almost every time um but wow. i and and also every time i watched it i would watch the opening credits two three times i love the opening Yay. credits and Yay. i know 
that I said earlier that I don't like theater. Um, but I believe you said you hate the occasional, theater. <laughs> <laughs> the occasional musical does creep into my soul. Ah. And I, well, okay, so this is sort of, this is maybe off topic a little bit, but I have, I read this one article about this movie referring to my best friend's wedding as a backdoor musical. Ooh, which sure because it's it kicks off with the opening credits. Then there's yes. another musical scene at the karaoke bar. Then obviously the the climactic musical scene at the restaurant. Then Michael sings on the boat and they dance. And then the reception has a whole other you know crop of musical mm. moments. And then the th- very random three boys singing on the tennis court. So that is, give or take, six musical numbers in this movie. Um, Some more subtle than others, but essentially, this is not far from a musical. And I believe it's being adapted for Broadway. Has to be. I feel like I've read that. Although, that was a long time ago. I feel like by now we would have heard something. But... Either way, most of the work's already done. <laughs> yeah. It's a Burt Bacharach musical. Yeah, there you go. And this is also the movie, I mean, th- this movie is why I love Dionne Warwick. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably D- pretty Dion comes off really well in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this this movie got me into Dionne Warwick. I had never thought about it as a as a musical in that way, but you're so right. Like I could I could also teach this in the history of musicals too, for that matter. <laughs> Why not? Oh, that's great. So yeah, so the opening credits that really, you know, that kicks it off. But um, that's one of my just absolute favorite parts of this whole thing. One of the things I love about watching this movie now is to see a big studio big movie star studio comedy original studio comedy with with that that Mm. sort of understands the strengths of its actors but allows them to kind of in in rupert everett's case kind of you know he he's defined by this role then right like a career defining thing and for julie roberts to put a spin on it and for Cameron diaz to you know uh uh um like have a little have another breakout like there there are um uh he the the writer Ron Bass has talked about how this movie couldn't get made anymore. Like no one, if you did, you'd make it, mm. it would be an indie movie, and you would have not the biggest star in the world. You'd have somebody from TV, or you know, which which is not to say it would be bad, but it wouldn't be. People wouldn't go to the movie theater in the numbers that you would need to have this this to make this kind of movie today. So there is something kind of. Um, uh, you know, like a time capsule about it or, uh, you know, it sort of had to kind of happen at that moment. And I, um, when you see the stars align, pun intended for a movie like this and for especially Julia Roberts, an actor that I've, that I've loved so that I left so often, but then uh, that other times is so disserved by roles that she gets. Um, someday we'll talk about Aaron Brockovich. I keep saying that on this show, but I, <laughs> yeah, I just talked about Tom Girardi. Yes. Who is the real life right, lawyer? Right, oh, that's right. 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 Any time that I can talk about Erica Jane Tobin, I am ready. So let's cue okay. that up. 
Okay. Well, in any case, I, I, to, to see her sort of given material, all these characters to give given material that allows them to kind of stretch and play real characters and be, you know, bring, bring, make me missed up and laugh. And for all the other parts of the movie that aren't, that don't work like that. I don't think this is a masterpiece of a movie, but I think it's a, it is a, it is a sort of a real high watermark of studio American studio romantic comedies. Was this a box office success? I, I don't know any of that information. I will double check the numbers here. I mean, Julia Roberts in the nineties, I'm mm-hmm. assuming it was, I just, um, yeah, I was kind of wondering why there isn't a sequel? That's a great point. This was this movie was that that would be the other point if it was made yeah, today. Right. Is it, it would have, have to have be a, a franchise? Yeah. So the movie was made for thirty eight million dollars, which is a tiny budget in today's sort of money, um, but was was a sort of you know a healthy studio budget in nineteen ninety seven. the The domestic gross was one hundred and twenty seven million dollars. And in worldwide, it made just under three hundred million dollars. So, <laughs> so they did. It did very well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. right. There's, it is. It is. I mean, if if um, was Runaway Bride a direct sequel to? No, it's just them. Just them together again, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Correct. Right. Right. Uh, and we don't get. Do we get um, uh, Julia Roberts and Dermot Mulroney again before Homecoming? They're the Hulu show. Uh. I don't believe so, but you're just, you're inching closer oh, sorry, to the sorry, game. Sorry. Um, oh, <laughs> is part of the game the, the fact that she um, suggested him for this role? Okay. Well, no, she suggested not. him for this role. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. He's very bland and dull, and I can look right past him. So I agree with the cast. Well, and you know, this I was... wonder if part of that doesn't work to the movie's advantage that. Right, because it's right, not about right. him. Oh, not right. at all. Yeah, and that and that by having uh, an actor yeah. kind of blends into the furniture a little bit is actually maybe because then the the movie becomes so much more about Jules and Jules and Kimmy and Jules and George and uh, I, yeah, if if not by design, I think that does work work for the movie. Yeah, no, I and I agree with that. That works. <laughs> you can still fast forward through his well, parts. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the sequel idea would have been a romantic storyline for George with uh, Jules as a support taking place in New York. So just sort of flip the romance and just continue. Because the real love of this story is obviously George and Jules. So like, give us a sequel. Let's see this whole, let's see them interact some more. We could, you could, they could make that today. I'd be fine with that. I'd be great. I think it'd be be great. great. Yeah. And with all that updated technology too, so no more six-inch thick laptops or faxes or giant from your cell phones. Giant cell phones, yes, yes. And, and answering machines. Uh, yeah, although then you'd miss that scene in the in George's house. Oh, that's, that's true. true. Oh shoot! We'll have to figure it out some other way. Well, in the meantime, while y'all work on that script, uh, would you like to play a game? Yes, sure. please. Okay, this game is stolen. It is stolen directly from the podcast Douglas Movies, but um, the content I have updated for uh, our purposes here. The game is called Dermot McDermott. 
(laughs) (laughs) And we will alternate. Uh, I'm, I'm writing. Oh, no, it's Tobin and Tony. I'm going to say Addington and DeFrank. Um, we'll alternate who goes first. I will give you a, a movie title and a year. Okay. And then you will tell me. Did <laughs> Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither Ooh. appear in the film? Okay. Okay. No Googling. Okay. Sit on your hands. <laughs> right? Because there's a joke that Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney are the same person. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. So, um, Tony, since you are a guest, you will begin. Okay. If you, if you get it correct, you get two points. Uh, if you do not, Tobin will have a chance to answer because there are still Ooh. two options left. Okay. And can get one point, and then we'll switch, and and Tobin will go first. Are you keeping track of points, or am I? Supposed oh to yes. Do okay. Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. So, Tony. Yes. Steel Magnolias, nineteen eighty nine. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither. Dylan McDermott. Correct. <gasps> wow, I would not have gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> Tobin. Yes. Yes. Jersey Girl from 1992. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither? Dermot Mulroney. That is incorrect. Tony for the steal. I've not seen it, but I'm going to say neither. Incorrect. Dylan McDermott and Gene Triplehorn. Really? Yes. I mean, I look it up later, not right now. No, I trust you. I trust you. Real oh sorry 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 so that was Tobin so uh, Tony Reality Bites nineteen ninety four Dylan McDermott Dermot O'Roney or neither Reality Bites was only three years before this movie correct God the nineties were weird <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, oh my gosh I think it's I think it's Dylan incorrect. <sighs> Tobin for the steal? Neither. Correct. One point for Tobin. I had no idea. I don't think I've ever seen reality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I apologize. When I said Gene Triplehorn, I meant Jamie Gertz. I don't know who that is. Okay. But if any. (laughs) I know who Gene Triplehorn is. (laughs) Anyone um, older than us will. Jason Manzoukas would have been upset with that. Okay. Uh, Tobin. It's yes. to you. Okay. Bad Girls, 1994. Huh. Oh, uh, Dylan McDermott. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, man. Is Bad Girls the one with Drew Barrymore and Madeline Kahn? It is. It's Old Westy. Oh, I don't remember any men being in that movie. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Oh, neither. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Dermot Mulroney. Really? But that makes sense to me if you don't remember him and things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It I, makes I, really I, tough for Tony. <laughs> I loved him in that film. Um, I remember the bo- the the like VHS box of that movie at Finky's where we rented our I movies. I do too. And I, <laughs> that's where we rented it and watched it. And then I rented it several more times after that. Okay. Uh, we're still only in the mid-90s, folks. 
Yes, okay. for Daryl Rooney. <laughs> Tony. Ready. An Iceland Addington favorite. How to Make an American no Quilt, 1995. What? Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither. It's Winona Ryder. Dylan McDermott. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh my gosh. Tobin? <laughs> Dermot Mulroney. Yes. Because <laughs> that's one that you own, and now I'm assuming that's why you own it. <laughs> yes, it's one of the reasons. He plays her boyfriend. She cheats on him with Jonathan Sheck from That Thing You Do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, Tobin. Okay. Also 1997, same year as this movie. Ooh. Till There Was You. That's Gene Sherborn. Oh, that title is familiar. I'm going to say the, neither. That is incorrect. Tony? Uh, I'm just going to always guess Dylan McDermott. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Okay, Tony, we're, we're reaching toward the millennium. 1999's Never Been Kissed. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither? I mean, the romantic lead in that, I was going to say Michael Vaughn, but that was his name on Alias. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to say neither. Correct. Man. Kicking your ass, Tobin. Yeah. Okay, Tobin. Yeah. 2004's Collateral. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither. Oh, Collateral's a movie I do know. I'm going to say neither. Correct. Oh, thank goodness. All right. Uh, Mark Getting Ruffalo closer. is in that movie. Peter Berger's in that movie. Javier Bardem is in that movie. Lots of people so in that movie. It was a good one for me to put in there. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then you had me really like wondering. Tony, the 2007 The Messengers. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, or neither. I don't know what that is. Um, neither? Neither do I. Uh, neither is incorrect. Tobin for the steal. It's called The Messengers? Yes. Um, it looks uh, to be a thriller or horror film. Dermot Mulroney. Incorrect. Oh, man. Dylan McDermott, um, Kristen Stewart, and then someone else famous, I forget. Okay, we're, we're, oh. we're almost done, but we have some of my favorites coming up. Tobin. Yes. The kind of fraught and uh, rumor-ridden Georgia Rule from 2007. Oh, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Correct. Yep, yep, yep. Is that Sounds like you knew why? that one. That is Lindsay Lohan. What? It is Lindsay Lohan and Jane Fonda. Right. And oh, right. Felicity Huffman. Oh, felon. Yes, felon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two out of three are there, although they've all been yeah. arrested. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. Tony, the Lincoln lawyer, 2011. Oh my god. Some of these movies sound so dull. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to guess Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> Incorrect. Over for the steel. 
This is Dylan McDermott. This is neither. Oh, man. But wouldn't you think Matthew McConaughey would be in a movie with one of those two? Yeah, and Ryan Phillippe's in that movie, too. That feels like go. a Dermot Mulroney kind of... Uh, All right. We're getting down to... we're. Yeah, we just have to keep going because one of my favorite movies is still on the list. <laughs> okay. Tobin. Yeah, yeah. The Grey, 2011. Oh, okay. I've not seen this movie. This is Liam a, Neeson vehicle. Yeah, this is Michael Carnahan or Matthew Carnahan. Carnahan. Um, I'm going to say it's um, Dylan McDermott. Incorrect. <clears throat> Tony? Neither. Incorrect. It's Dermot Mulroney is in The Grey. Does he play one of the wolves? Yes. <laughs> All right, Tony, this is another important one for you. Okay. My The adaptation of my favorite book of all time. <clears throat> the Perks of Being a Wallflower, 2012. Dylan McDermott. Correct. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays the dad. Oh, wow. So for any of my students listening, I will be teaching a course on the Perks Being Wallflower in spring 2020. Join me. Sign up now. <laughs> Sign up now. And then <laughs> finally, the last the last one, Tobin starts. Mm. The 2016 romp, Dirty Grandpa. Oh, God. Oh, this is the Zac Efron movie? Mm-hmm. And, okay, so I have no idea. I'm saying neither. Incorrect. <sighs> Which means, being a point ahead already, Tony, you've won it. Would you like to take a guess just to see if you can get that extra point for pride? Yeah, I'm going to stick with <laughs> Dylan McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> that is incorrect. Of course, the grand finale is a Mulroney. But, you know, I suspected that might be the case. Um, Tony, you have won six, seven points. Wow. Seven to six. I had six Great points. Work, How did both I have six points? <laughs> you had some steals in there. Oh man! Stolen moments. Thank you all for good game. Well that was done. Done. <laughs> Well, speaking of fun, now is the point in our podcast where we decide if this movie is progressive or regressive and share our closing thoughts. Is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Tony, what say you? Overall, I think I would call this progressive. I have a real connection to any romantic comedy uh, where, in the end, um, she doesn't get the guy. Like, I feel like that is a that is an option for all of us. So I feel like that is something that's not often celebrated in the romantic comedy genre, that at the end we're okay being, you know, our own full self. So because this movie has an ending where she remains single and, you know, continues to live her amazing life without the horrible guy, um, I'd call it progressive. Excellent. Aizen, what about you? While I agree with Tony's points, and um, I feel like, Tobin, before we played the game, you had a nice wrap up about why this movie is important in terms of romantic comedies. I just don't see it moving the needle for me. And part of that is it, there was not much of note behind the camera 
that we talked about. Um, but I, I agree it pushes some boundaries and, and I like the way it does that, but it's, it's just not enough with, you know, she's 20 and they're going to quit school and she has problems talking about love. And I don't know, it, it didn't, it didn't do enough for me, for me to stamp it progressive. So I'm going to stand in the middle. All right, the middle. Uh, I'm going to agree with Tony. <laughs> um, I, I think that in addition to that, the ending, which you so eloquently uh, described, I think that the movie is progressive in how uh, cruel it allows Jules to be, in in how um, how far she will go to do this thing. And the idea of a romantic comedy made by a studio uh, in the history of romantic comedies where the goal is not to, well, well, I agree. The goal isn't as much to get the guy as it is to break up the wedding. I think is, is, is that there's a subversive quality to that, that, um, I, I think, uh, does is a step forward. If perhaps it's not replicable or just wasn't replicated in kind of interesting ways or, um, uh, and, and despite all its other flaws, I do think that for that reason and for the, the, the way the movie ends, that it is, it is a, a step forward, maybe a small, maybe a small step, but a step forward. Heisland, speaking of steps, uh, uh, speak, I don't know. Uh, I have no segue. What are we going to talk about next? How, are we going to talk about what you said we're going to talk about? Um, well, uh, Oh, do you want, do you want to do book smart instead? We can. Put that next? Yeah. Okay, let sure. me put that in here then. Yep. <laughs> I can't, I, I, yeah, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Coming up next. What are we going to do next? Okay. <laughs> next up, please join us July 9th for 2019's Booksmart. I'm very excited. That's going to be fun. I'm one. excited too. Yeah, yeah. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today and having this conversation with us. Um, I forgive you for marrying Joe. <laughs> and uh, if you would like to be fi- found, I'm going to do that one again. Where would you? Mm-hmm, one more time. <laughs> I got flustered because I started thinking about Joe. <laughs> Where can folks find you if you want to be found? Um. They can find me in Portland on my couch watching this movie again. Excellent. (laughs) But only the opening credits. Only the opening credits. Um, Yeah. No, I can't be found anywhere. (laughs) I respect that. Tobin, how about you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. And probably if they want to, um, they can, they can tweet at us uh, to, to say how much they enjoyed Tony on the show or at, or at Joe <laughs> uh, listen to his, his previous uh, episodes on, on the podcast and, and, um, and tweet about how much you like both of them. Excellent. I am as always reluctantly on Twitter at sassy nerd MT. Um, if you've enjoyed the sound of my voice, you could also check out my other podcast, Why Aren't We All?, where I have short conversations with folks who have a belief or practice that helps them get through this um, difficult time we're in right now. Uh, my last episode that uh, came out at the beginning of June was about Why Aren't We All Enjoying Beer? Um, and the next episode coming out in July will be a topic a little more universally healthy. So 
stay Ooh, tuned for it. A little, a little tease there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a little. And you can find us on Twitter, as Tobin mentioned, at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above. Celebrity Sean Flynn and arguably also celebrity Jeff Addington. (laughs) Celebrity to us, anyway. And, and And to our listeners. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am Tobin Addington. I'm Tony DeFrank. I am Island Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. I have another comment and question about her character. Okay. Which I will now share. (laughs) Um, Uh, No, no, I am not a fan of the Tonys in general. Interesting. Yeah, hot take. Hot Hot take. I was going to say hot take, but I want to do. Okay. Does that have anything to do with your name being Tony? I mean, because I feel like if there was something called the Tobins, I'd be like, no, I'm not watching the fucking Tobins. Uh, No, it's because I hate theater. (laughs) 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 I love love that you're married to Joe. I think that's amazing. All right. We we better start because we're already having too much fun. Okay. (laughs) And I, I don't want any more of this to not make it in the episode. Episode.